Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, MrDiceGuy.com, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about Nippon. Ian, what are you going to talk about? I'll talk about parts. Ryan? Nova Luna. 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 Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by... Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They are the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, presented at Comic-Con. Welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. Um, as we've uh, tried to uh, to do in, uh, in the past and we continue to do is stick to a format. And in this uh, situation, we are going to uh, talk about our games of late. So uh, who wants to go first? Give us a uh, update on what you've been playing lately. Oh, good. We all went student-wise. Yeah, everyone got quiet. <laughs> Everybody got quiet, really. Don't make eye contact. Um, I, I mean, I, I'll go first if you guys want. Sure, sure. I, I you, you got an interesting one here, so well, I want, I, I want to hear about. I want to hear about it. You want to hear about that first one? Sure. Okay. Um, uh, I, I'm going to talk about the um, the, and this is so awkward for me because. Uh, Usually I'm about the classics and not about the hotness. And this time, this one, uh, this one was like hot off the presses. Uh, Jeff actually um, uh, informed me that this was in if I was interested. And uh, because I'm a huge fan of Legends of Andor, and it's the, I'll get to the title soon, I, I promise. Um, it's The Liberation of Reitberg, uh, designed by... Gerhard Hecht, um, and the artist is Michael Menzel, and it's from the Legends of Andor series. And um, but it's not the um, Legends of Andor style of game. I would say it's like a small table version of the um, um, a small table version of the idea of that game. Because uh, um, it's that same world of uh, the art and the characters and that mythology, but now it's because before it was sort of like a uh, um, uh, a tower protection kind of game. This time they've overrun the town, and you're trying to rid them cooperatively of all these uh, um, uh, evil monsters from uh, from uh, the the village uh, of Reitberg, and. Uh, 
basically it's straightforward. It's a card driven game where you've got a table in front of you with six zones that replicate the six areas of town. And in each zone, there's sort of like a hidden boss or a hidden event or objective. And on top of that, you get um, uh, piled on the uh, obstacles that um, are part of that uh, um, puzzle that you have to solve. And some are face down because they're hidden and in the shadows and some are face up and you get to see if you're fighting a troll or if you're fighting, you know, once that you're fighting what its rating is. Um, and each character comes with a small set. It's very, the, the, the card drivenness remind me a lot of Martin Wallace with this, that you have a, you, everybody has a, a set of uh, cards specific to their character and in each set of cards, there's three different types of actions uh, with your character, like moving to a location, uh, doing an action specific to your character, like if it's if it's a ranged weapon attack or if it's a spell or if it's a fight. And you're basically doing like all cooperative games is that each person takes a turn. There's events that happen, like an event timer. And in this case, you're trying to... Um, uh, get four um meet the the needs or requirements of four of these boss monsters at the end of it and uh it it was kind of cool i've played it about six or seven times already and uh, i'm getting kind of deep into it it's a very interesting puzzle it plays fast which i like it's not difficult to set up and take down and it's kept my interest so uh yeah that is uh the liberation of reitberg so Just looking at the name, I thought it was a war game. <laughs> and during the whole, like a war game. Yeah, and I'm guessing that during my whole spiel on it, um, you guys were looking into it. Um, the artwork is very much like it's all akin to that that um, uh, um, I, I guess that game's fantasy setting. Well, so, I heard I heard cooperative, and uh, immediately people should be thinking, how much is it like pandemic? It's it's not like pandemic at all. It's more like ghost stories, right? Because you've Ooh. got oh yeah, and and that's why I didn't kind of because the the horrified I, I was playing last time was very pandemicy, right? You got to chase down these things, that, events that are happening, and quell them. But this one was more like um, you could have baddies pop up anywhere, and you could move them around depending on your character's power. Um, I played it solo, but man, I I'd really like to play it like you know three player or four player to get this synergy happening because you can group up and, uh, you know, team fight people with big hit point totals. Um, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you dig that whole ghost stories thing, um, where it's basically, uh, you know, you're getting peppered by enemies, you'll have fun with this one. Neat. So yeah. Neat. I like it. I, I like, I like some of it. Cause I, I, cause I got, I grabbed your copy of legends of Andor. Yeah, and, and, and it's a really, it's a really, it's a really cool series. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it's like once I'm once I've uh, you know become uh, satisfied with with so, not not necessarily solving this puzzle, but having time with this puzzle, I'd be happy to pass it a uh, pass it amongst you guys. Fit in. Cool. All right. Who's up? So uh, we've kind of like back like Jen and I were like going back to our classics and everything. One game that's been coming out uh, quite recently and often has been Orleans, oh. and and but we've been mixing in the uh, the trade and intrigue expansion, which has been quite quite neat. So if you don't know what Orleans is, it's designed by Reiner Stockhauser, 
and it's uh, been published in North America by TMG Games. It's and very, very good. It's, it's an it's excellent hero. Go get it. Yeah. <laughs> Bag building goodness. Um, and so what I'm going to highlight is what does the trade and intrigue expansion add to the already awesome game of Orleans? Um, the first thing is that it comes with two new beneficial deeds boards. So beneficial deeds were the, it was a board where you could send your workers. If you didn't want them anymore in your bag, you could send them off to the beneficial deeds. And I think in the base, if I remember in the base game, cause it's been a while since I played just base game, um, you can send them up there. You usually get money. I think is what the gen general thing. And if you filled in, if you were the last person to fill in a, a, a row of things, you got one of those, um, um, citizen tokens. Now with the trade and intrigue, you get a trade beneficial deeds boards and you get an intrigue beneficial deeds boards. Jen and I have only just played with the trade board because the intrigue board is very mean. As in, <laughs> if I, if I t like on the intrigue board, if I send a, there's a location there where I force Jen to take something out of her bag and remove it permanently. Or I have to, I, I shut down one of her locations or something along those lines. So it's like, it's very player interaction, interaction based. Yeah, that seems antithetical to the game. I, I can see why oh, you would play with it. I know, I'll, I'll probably try it once, probably with a, probably like a three or four player game, but I can already tell that it's very, very mean. Um, but the trade one, that's really interesting because instead of like getting money as rewards, um, you can get citizen tokens. You can get those technology tokens. You can get, buildings like from the the huh. one and two buildings you can um move along a river you can do a whole bunch of different little things and it, it or, or you can just get goods by sending your by guys up there so it, it kind of just changes it up just a little bit uh, rather than just getting money as rewards you get other things and you can um you can plan it out another cool thing that it adds is this kind of like this little bit of a pickup and deliver mechanism with these order cards and what it comes with is a small deck of cards and you lay out five of them and it'll say, Hey, stop in this city. If you are in this city and you've got, um, two wheat and a cheese, well, you can trade in your two wheat and cheese for a better ratio than what you would have gotten for selling them off at the end of the game. And so, uh, so it kind of like makes you kind of like plan around your, your, your movement around the board, as long as you're collecting certain goods and something, it's really, really kind of a neat little module. It, and it gives great variability. I love it. Oh, yeah. And then the last thing that it also adds is it adds a whole bunch of new um, event tiles, a big old massive stack of event tiles. So instead of playing with the base game, you can play with these new event tiles and they come with A, B, C's and D's, I think. And yeah. I think there's about oh six or seven of each letter and you only use four of each letter. So the met, the variability in the event tiles is through the roof and a lot of them change there there are a lot of different rewards that you can get from the uh from from the base ones like there's ones where there there's there's mean ones like one says um if you have a technology tile on your board you have to remove one will mm -hmm. be one of the events or you get a dollar for every technology tile you have on your board or a lot of different things um one of one tile in one of the late games is the you have to go through, you have to do torture. 
So like oh, the, yeah. event, the the event is you have to do torture. You uh, must admit, the game. yeah. You have to give up five things. Whether it's, yeah, so it's like you, but and and you can't give up money. It specifically says you can't give up money. You have yeah. to give up people or goods or tokens or. So it just adds. I just we just like the the trade and entry because it just adds a whole bunch of more variability to an already pretty sweet game. Um, I think it added a couple new um, ones and two buildings, but uh, not n- nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. But the big the big things you want is the new beneficial deeds boards, um, the pick up and deliver cards, and the new event the new event uh, tiles. They're really really good. I highly recommend this one. We we've been playing with it. Quite a bit. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I can see how switching up those event tiles would be a really good thing. Yeah, because we could always predict in the old in the, in the original game, we can kind of like, okay, we haven't seen this one yet. Yeah. We we know it's coming. So cool. Yeah, the Ian. event tiles are worth it. Ian, I've I I'm I'm so like intrigued because I've never heard of this game before. Candomir. Yeah. Okay, so I haven't been playing a whole lot, but yeah, last night I got a game in of Candomir, which is an older game. I think it's 2008-ish or so. And it's actually a Settlers of Catan spin-off. Because it was all the rage back then, right? Settlers of Catan. And so this was a spin-off, but okay. it's got some commonalities. Like the resources as cards is a commonality. And the fact that you can trade with other players, it's kind of a big thing that's kind of why settlers of Catan is so popular right because you can trade with people and that's element is still here as well but in this one you're it's more of an exploration game and so you're a settler on Catan, but you're actually just one person and you're just going out um exploring the mountains and exploring the forests and so they've got tiles all over the place and so you pick which square you want to go to and then you go there and you flip over to see what the tile gives you and then whatever you get, you can go back and trade for for buildings and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, but the exploration aspect is what I really like. So much so that the rule is that you're supposed to look at two tiles, and then you put your token on one of the tiles, and that's your goal. That's where you have to your person has to go to. But I don't even do that. I'm like, I don't even want to know what is under the tile. I just pick one at random and see how it works. I, I like that exploration. I like those exploration games. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I think I, I picked I picked this one up for you at a ToonCon auction. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and I have and I haven't played it with you yet. No, no, we haven't played it that much either. But we finally got a game in. So I'm just looking at uh, at the uh, images on Board Game Geek and uh, looks pretty cool. I like. Uh, I'm a big fan of that whole exploration stuff too because it's it's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's very exciting when, when, like, from your point of view, the your, your chaos theory there on uh, tile selection. Um, yeah, and, and I'm a big fan of any kind of resource, uh, um, you know, efficiency game. Yeah, it's a good twist on Settlers. Like, it doesn't really feel like Settlers, but there's a common DNA there for sure. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, Back to you, Norm. Um, I'm going to, I want to do this one because, uh, there's, there's going to be some pretty good, uh, flavor discussion with this one. Um, I, I'm going to talk about a, a game, um, of late, uh, that I've reviewed in the past. And this one's Signori. 
um, by uh, um, uh, What's Your Game, published by What's Your Game, and it's uh, um, oh, I can't, um, I can't even remember, but yeah, What's Your Game, Signori, uh, one of my absolute favorite. Um, I, I don't even know what you'd call it because it's not a dice worker placement. It's basically a dice selection management resource, Euro goodness. Um, uh, put your, it kind of, I mean, you could call it a cube pusher if it was uh, considered, you know, pushing meeples of your sons and daughters into uh, family connections and, and intertwindings in medieval Italy, um, uh, a, a dice worker placement, then yeah. Um, I absolutely, when I, when I, when I played this game, well, when I was hearing about it a long time ago and played this game, this is what prompted me to go immediately out and, and, uh, get on my uh, game from the, that I'm going to be reviewing. But, uh, yeah, I, what's your game is solid in my books in regards to, uh, for some reason, each one of your, um, action selections that you choose has a subset of selections that you can choose. And within those subset um, selections of your choice, you might be able to pre-program triggers of bonus actions. So they're just that matrices on your player board of, you know, when you've set up that engine properly of using hired workers and, and probably like the economy is so tight where you have to have plan out this proper flow of what dice you're going to pick. Um, because there's five slots of five different colored dice, which represent five different areas of action selection kind of thing without getting too deep into it. But uh, the cool thing about this is the dice rolled, um, the dice that you choose, if you want to benefit from the bonus action of the round, your dice to pip total has to be under 13. And dang, Man, that, if that ain't, hard to do, if that isn't the hardest part of that puzzle to solve, and then after that point, you have all of those choices that I talked to you about to manage in regards to, you know, if I flip this switch, this switch will trigger these three switches that if I had, like I said, you know, mind enough to pre-program, I could start humming this engine and have this cascade of action be triggered and make your opponent kind of go, whoa, what's going on in your mad laboratory over there? So, yeah, I, I can't get enough of this game. This I, 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 I'm I a big, big fanboy of uh, what's your game. Yeah, because we just recently had a game of this on Board Game Arena. We, yeah. set, up, we set up a turn-based and kind of played it over a couple, couple days, and I totally screwed up the rules. <laughs> in the beginning but you pivoted really fast i mean it i was could... gonna say my 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 first round i was like oh yeah the 13 rule yeah i want my i want the sum of my dice to be over 13 yeah and then yeah, i didn't yeah. get my bonus action i'm like why didn't i get my bonus action you're like you know your some of your dice needs to be under 13 i'm like <laughs> ah the traditional way to cheat in golf is to lower your score yeah but the, the the i think what was good in that game is that you have enough i think it's over seven rounds yeah. Um, and you and within that that area, you can let go a bonus round, um, you know, just oh, yeah, for getting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. You, after the first round, after the first round, the score was 25 to two. Yeah. In your, in your favor. Yeah. And then the final score, you ended up only just winning by three points. And I so. think when I was looking, thinking back on that game, because there's this tile set um set collecting thing that you can do as well and to me that just demonstrated how powerful any 
any kind of winning strategy you choose. Cause I went for trying to get my sets of scoring tiles for the end of the game. Cause you have to, to, to for them to score, you have to have at least three. So I was like, okay, I, I got to get my sets. And, and, and that's, that's where I was banking mine. And you were going after the uh, turn to turn um, victory points. Yeah. Um, I, went, I went bonus, bonus tiles and uh oh what else was i doing something else. oh i i had i had loaded up all my bonus actions yeah yeah and you were sending off a lot of your sons to 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 get jobs and 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 uh, your daughters um uh, uh married into uh, like i mean all those mm-hmm. tile points right so i mean would you call it a point salad game or would you call it just one of these kind of like you know no, if you definitely the- not it's, de- it's definitely not point salad. There, there's only there's really about three or four different paths. I would say it has multiple paths to victory. Yeah. It in in that regard, you don't get points for doing everything. No. Yeah. There's there's there's. But like you said, it's 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 tight and it could be a little bit punishing. Like you could fall behind in this one quickly. But yeah, no, Signori, great choice. It's a great it's a great game. I love it. Cool. So we've also been getting um, plays in of a Reiner Kinizia classic. <sighs> and we've been playing lots of Through the Desert. The Doctor. Oh, have, have you guys played Through the Desert? I never have, but I've always wanted to. Is, so, is that the one that's kind of connected to the, the readaptation of Blue Lagoon? Yes, yes. Okay. This was, this was kind of like that. So in uh, Through the Desert, it's... I don't know. I, it's, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to explain without having the actual board. But what you're doing is you're creating um, caravans of camels through throughout the desert, and there's a whole bunch of victory point tokens all over the board. And what you're trying to do is everybody at at the beginning of the game has a particular color of camel that they control. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be creating, I call them trains or caravans of these camels all across the board. And if you just so happen to put your camel on a victory point token, you get to claim it. There's one point, two point, three points. What's actually really kind of cool is that there's a little bit of a mini area control thing to this too. Whereas if you're able to block off a section with your colored camel, um, you will score one point for every um, area inside of that larger area. Um, One point for every hex inside that larger area. And then there's also some bonus points at the end of the game, whereas, hey, who has the longest purple caravan? Who has, because we, because if they play two player, um, Norm has a purple caravan and I have a purple caravan as well. But who made the longest purple caravan? And uh, then there's like, there's a, there's five different colors in total. And yeah, this one's just, it, it plays very, very fast. Like the box here says 45 minutes. Um, Jen and I played at least two, two and a half games already in a 45 minute span. It plays very, very quickly at two player. And I can't see it taking an enormous amount of more time at, at, at higher player counts. Because really, all, all you're doing on your turn is you're placing two camels. You, you you place two camels, and then that yeah, that's it. You claim victory point tokens, or you connect to oasises. If you connect to an oasis, you score five points. 
Um, yeah, it's it's a really neat take on like the uh, the longest train mechanism of uh, of uh, of Ticket to Ride with a little bit of like area majority. It sounds very classic. Like it sounds like it's got a really classic, like old, old, old design. Yeah, because like it, I don't, was... I'm not a go person, but it almost, I can almost see similarities with that. I don't really understand go that much. So I've heard that like connection. My dad, and I, my dad and I used to play a game where we'd make like we'd have a page of dots and we'd connect like and try to make boxes. Did you guys ever do that? Yes. Yep, I it's, remember this game. Sort of sounds like that. Is it similar to something like that, or am I way I, off? Please? Okay, no, no, I would say that. But then in this case, um, as you're connecting, you're, as you're drawing your lines, drawing your lines in this case would be placing your camels. Um, every now and then, when you place your camel, you can score some points. When you when you place your camel, or if you connect it to a certain point, you score some points. Huh. Type type of deal. Very, very neat. Yeah, I just looked it up here. It, it came, it, the original version came out in 1998. So it's, it's quite a bit of an older design. Yeah. Um, at, at this point, I, I, when we play the, um, the uh, remade um, Z Man, oh no, the remade Fantasy Flight version, they, they kind of created a little line of uh, what they call it Euro, Euro Classics, is the actual title of the, the line that they made. And so, like, we have, like, Raw in this line as well. We have um, um, Tigris and Euphrates, um, Samurai. I have, like, my little Reiner Kiditsia shelf. <laughs> the problem with Fantasy Flight is they're plastic, though, right? They love plastic. Yeah, but apparently these they didn't change much of the mold of these camels. Oh, wait, these are the camels that look like candy, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> you, 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 right. Regan has wanted to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it, I, I don't know. I would if you ever have a chance to, to play it. It's it's really cool. It play and what for us it plays quick, and that that's kind of like a a, a neat uh, draw draw to it. It, it. I think it plays faster than Ticket to Ride, oh. and it's not as fiddly. Cool, Ian. Uh, Ian. Jeez, I don't. I haven't really played anything else. <laughs> it's been pretty slow. Um, I did do some box rearranging. I can talk about that. Cool. So I've got, because I love like condensing my expansions if I can. So like my Dominion boxes, I had like eight different Dominion boxes that I shrunk down to two. And now I'm working on that with my Catan expansions. Oh. So I had five Catan boxes. I think I've got it down to three. But I still need some organization there. <laughs> I, 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 li I like doing this. I do this as well. Because I want to try to condense as much stuff into one box so that I'm only worried about all my stuff just in kind of like one place. I would I like that too. There are some where it's just not happening though. No. Like um, um, Ra Raiders of the North Sea. It's a fantastic game. And it already comes in like a small, smaller box. And that's kind of like what they were going for. And then if you add in the two expansions, the, the, the expansions actually add in quite a bit of like physical content. And uh, I actually did manage to squeeze both expansions into just the base box without an organizer. But I've I have seen to... it. It's pretty slick. There's not much room in there though. Nope, nope. You, I have to sit there and Tetris it. 
right, well, while everybody watches me, everybody else is having drinks and popcorn and whatnot, and they're watching me like just oh, I can get that one more tile in that one little space <laughs> done. Mad genius. And now, now I see that they come out with it. They say they have a big box expansion that you can just just get the box to put it. But I'm like, nope, I don't need it because I got it all in there. <laughs> nice. I'll keep you guys updated on how my box situation goes. Awesome. Cool. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Welcome back. What's going on in board games? It's time for news and topics of interest. So, Ryan, um, uh, I've yeah. got a few things. This is awesome. Let us cool. let, let us all know what's going on with uh, the most exciting news so, for the podcast. Yeah. So, like some of the most exciting news for for the uh, actual podcast is we got a couple new sponsors. Yay! So we know for the for the longest time, um, um, amazing stories, and uh, Dragons Den Games here locally in Saskatoon have have supported us um, quite quite extensively, and now we're going to extend our Saskatoon board gaming community with um, uh, Mr. Dice Guy has Yay! agreed to join us in some sponsorship. So Cody over there at MrDiceGuy.com. He's willing to kind of work with us and, you know, provide some promotional material or review games or something along those lines. And so um, big shout out to Cody at MrDiceGuy.com and also um, Breakout Escapes and Board Game Lounge in, uh, located here in Saskatoon is also going to is, is going to uh, um, help us out. And so one of the so that's big news right there. We got we got a lot more. We're growing this saskatoon board game community and they're willing to help us out which is great and so to celebrate these two new um uh sponsorships um we're gonna run a contest yes i love Yay. contests contests are fun contests are fun and so uh so I, I was trying to do some brainstorming and so what we're going to do is we're going to run a uh uh a very a very small I, I call them puzzle hunts it could just be kind of like a, like a, maybe like a digital escape room or uh where we what we're going to get listeners to do is we're going to try to get them to solve uh, a series of three puzzles okay and they kind of like i i just did them today uh roberta at board game uh sorry breakout escape um she designed them for us and i kind of gave her some suggestions of what we would look like in in difficulty so she Agreed. So she created three puzzles, um, increasing in difficulty. And now when I say they're diff uh, how difficult they are, I sat down with them and I solved all three of them in about 30 minutes. Okay. But you got to understand my, my, my difficulty sometimes starts off with username password. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it almost sounds like Ryan's is bragging about himself. Right? Yeah. It's like, so I so I challenge our listeners to try to solve it in under thirty minutes. Uh, <laughs> no, so uh, so yeah, so it's my login time. <laughs> so what I'm going to get people to do is um I'm I'm going to post it on the uh, on Twitter and I'm going to post it in our BGG Guild number thirty thirty nine, and on our Facebook page, um, I'm going to have a link to the to the puzzle hunt um I, I'll, I'll say it on air it, it's quite a long url but it's um https colon slash slash because we have to have those right um, you're really going through the whole url <laughs> over the radio you're really doing this why not continue okay <laughs> bridge city board gamer because I couldn't add on the S. The S was too long. Bridge City Board Gamer, all one, lowercase, dot Wix site, W I X S I T E dot com slash contest. I hope you all got that, listeners. <laughs> got it in your heads. Should I do it one more time? <laughs> no, no, man, because I started laughing because right in the middle of you saying the address, you stopped to tell a story about the address. <laughs> I thought, man, that's like that's like a, a D uh, that's like a DM just going off the rails, man. Okay, okay, okay. Shenanigans aside, I couldn't I couldn't put the S in because just take a screenshot. Because apparently it was too long. <laughs> One character too long. Anyways, I'm gonna have the the link on our BGG guild. I'm gonna have it on the Twitter. I'm gonna have it. I just said the Twitter. I'm like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Three puzzles and Mr. Dice Guy, Cody and Mr. Dice Guy is donating uh, a few a few prizes. We haven't arranged the quite details, but you can win some games. You'll get entered to win some games if you can solve the three puzzles and then email us the the winning phrase. Um, have I have I went on too long about the contest? No, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm excited about our new sponsors too. Well, yeah. and what I'm loving too is that we're able to start connecting people because I mean. It's not like, you know, we're three teachers and that's our, <laughs> that's our like DNA is to start making things have connections and, and, uh, and, uh, you know. Oh, I, I, I'll, I'll give our listeners of this episode. I'll give them a free hint. I'll give them a free hint of the puzzle hunt. <laughs> it's going to be my username and password. I know so both of you listen up. <laughs> so um, the three puzzles. So the answer to puzzle one is a clue to puzzle two and the answer to puzzle two is a clue for puzzle three it's like inception yeah puzzleception for me the uh, the last answer will be the place that i have to go to to repair the broken laptop i have because i couldn't get in with my username password or or the answer like my i ran a puzzle hunt with my school kids and they they were all shocked and amazed when the very final puzzle, the the answer to the final puzzle was just winner winner chicken dinner. <laughs> They're like, what? We went through all. They felt cheated. They did. Yeah. They were like, that was it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not the answer to this one, or is it? I don't know. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Okay, cool. enough enough of the shenanigans. What else is you know what else has been going on? Get 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 us get us back on track, Norm. You know what else has been going on? Virtual gaming cons have been yeah. popping up. 
I'm so curious with, about that. So like with all of these things of uh, the state of the world that we're living in with COVID, um, lots of the big gaming conventions and law and smaller local conventions are being put on hiatus for, well, like in terms of like Gen Con and uh, Eschen Spiel, um, they're being put on hiatus for a full year. Like they're not happening this year at all. They're just going to wait until next. They're just going to run again next year. Oh yeah, the whiteboard's getting cleaned off for uh, this this season. But what lots of people are doing now is that they're going towards these what they're referring to as virtual gaming cons. So like BGG just had Conline, like Con Online, um, ha- happen, and it's kind of it's kind of neat. I, I, sorry, I had to stop and explain. Sorry, I'm thinking no, but I'm thinking Con Air. I got Nicolas Cage in the head right now, and it's like, oh man, that's not that doesn't look too good at all. But it's kind of neat what they're doing with the virtual cons is like, you know, just having like a, like some guest designers on and like just, you know, doing some Q&As or like I, what I heard with uh, with Gen Con, I was listening to the Blue Peg Pink Peg podcast and they're going to be hosting like some sort of like online gaming event, like a, like a saw, trivia yeah. show. Origins is going to do a lot of that same style of uh, origins and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of neat what they are going. So I, I kind of posted a link in our show notes to like some of the ones that have been posted so far uh, and what their dates are. Maybe we, I'll, I'll probably send that out in a tweet or something like that. It was well, just right on the board. It's right on the board game geek uh, website under. Why don't you read the URL out, Ryan? <laughs> so HTTPS. <laughs> in the middle of that, we'll tell a story about <laughs> Well, you know, my first con that I went to, dot okay. com, was... Okay. Um... <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> I bring it upon myself naturally. Dog pile. <laughs> but, um, uh, so, so, yeah, what no. Your, so what are your thoughts on virtual cons? Well, I I'm, I'm absolutely love the idea of how, I mean, our circumstances are forcing us to reimagine um our goals like if it, yeah I, I i'm i'm all for any creative way to yeah substitute what 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 gave us joy before like that's that's i think that's why i was always so um uh, um reluctant to to dive into board game arena is because i thought well man i play board games because i want to be social i like the people around me but I can't have that now. So I guess I, and I unwillingly went, okay, fine. What's this board game arena thing? And then realized what I could, there's people willing to play anytime. Yeah. Right? So I, I like the direction. I like the possibilities that yeah, um, yeah. a creative I'm, mind could take this in yeah, what I'm, kind of direction. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, just like, um, before this, like just before um, recording here, um, maybe it was last weekend. Um, Simon had their, or sorry, come on, <laughs> well, you're supposed to pronounce it now, um, had a virtual expo. And so they just had, like, you know, they had Eric Lang doing video casts of like doing some introductory of some of the games that are going on. They had, um, um, you can have like board game tournaments on Tabletop Simulator and uh other other things that they were just going on having uh like showing off their new products like online to everybody so you don't have to be at the convention you could actually see what the products are um coming out ahead of time it's 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 just really it was really neat 
I think I think all cons should have some sort of online component all the time. I want to be able to sit in on a Q and A with Eric Lang, and maybe off maybe I'll pay like a five dollar digital ticket to sit in on the uh, on the uh, uh, to to view the panel. Oh, maybe the way yeah. it goes after this, who knows? They may do a blend. Yeah. So, kind of yeah. virtual cons, uh, kind of neat. I know for sure that this is this is. Um, an exploration that has some validity to it because I know when this starts to, this, this isolation thing starts to settle a bit, we're not going to reset and go back to our normal lives. Right. So to me, no. this is sort of that whole, okay, well, we're might need to put this knowledge and way of doing things kind of start socking that not, you know, information because it might, you know, be necessary. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, 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 yeah, it, like I say, it, it's it's going to evolve the industry um, before. It, it's just it's just forcing us to evolve the industry. Yeah. Well, the best thing I love about it is that, man, actually, I might still be able to get to Gen Con. <laughs> you do Gen Con online. Yeah, I, I might Con still be line. able to get to Origins. Yeah. See, I don't really, cool. I don't know. I've never been to one of these big conventions before, so I... I don't know what the best parts are, right? So I don't know what should what I would be if I was a regular attender, what I would be missing this year, and whether that would be being filled by these virtual cons. I don't well, know. This, apparently, this could... apparently, with Gen Con, what you'll be missing is the big, massive crowd gathering oh, yeah. into the marketplace. Oh man, <laughs> this this I still, I don't know if you guys know of uh, the Tony Shalhoub character Monk from a TV series in the states. Um, but he's basically the germaphobe kind of Howie Mandel type. And it's like, after this, the thought of going into like a big convention like that, I would just be catatonic, man. <laughs> well, like, even, when I'm, even when I'm watching movies and TV shows now, I look at them, I'm like, they're not social distancing. Yeah. Are they just standing beside each other like that? Dude, dude, are, aren't they aware? Aren't they aware that they're too close? Yeah, no, I'm so I'm so there with you. <laughs> uh, okay, are we done with virtual cons? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't. Oh, my only con experience is ToonCon, and we just kind of go and play games, right? They're scheduled games, and that's what we do. They don't have like booths. So I'd imagine people who like to go to see the new stuff, this will be a good replacement for that probably. And panels, if, is that a thing that they do in all the big? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, those bigger ones have like the big like um, panels, or they have like side events. Okay, yeah. So this, and... this would be a good replacement for that too. So we just had uh, we we had Breakout Escapes joining us as a sponsor, and past listeners will know that. Um, I really like escape room type games and I know Ian really likes escape room type games. I do. Norm is still on the fence. Oh man. <laughs> my, my, my favorite escape room games are trying to make it out of my kids rooms alive. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so many toys on the floor, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Previously on on the show, I think on one of our cardboard in the classroom episodes, um, Norm had the pleasure of uh, interviewing um, Shen Fung Lim, yes, uh, a Canadian designer. Uh, so Shen and his other uh, design partner Jay Cromier, they're designing some escape room type games. 
and cool. they're 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 kind of designing it's going to be a series it sounds like it's going to be a series of games and they're calling it the coded chronicles um type of games now i, I haven't read a lot about this yet but I, I have kind of done a little bit of things where it's going to be like an escape room type game it has a bit of a narrative style to it there's going to be puzzles you're going to have to solve there's going to be like um like story books that you're going to have to go into and read um passages like kind of maybe like choose your own adventure kind of like maybe um but the kind of cool thing is that the first couple that they've introduced are um they're ip based so like the first one that's going to be coming out here is going to be uh, a scooby-doo themed and i thought that's a great that's a great idea for like one of these like escape room narrative type of uh, games is like you know the like the cartoon mystery solvers themselves it does make sense yes as does the second one i think yeah and then they just recently announced that another one that's being developed is going to be the uh based on the shining and so they, and that one sounds really funny where you're playing um jack's family <laughs> trying to get out of the house while jack is chasing you and you're like I don't, apparently you have to solve puzzles to get out but no, no, it sounds it sounds really cool because it's got that time it's got that element of suspense like i gotta get out i gotta get out yeah jack's chasing me so um uh yeah i'm interested to learn more about these like i'm always looking for something new in these escape room type games and uh if you add a little bit of a narrative to it i think that just adds um that's the world of difference if there's like a, a good story behind it mm-hmm. to, to, to get you to get you into it because not not too many do that like um um oh have you played chronicles of crime oh i have that one i love that series yeah so chronicles of crime as does good does good in the telling the big overall narrative um it's not an escape room type game but rather you're just more detectives trying to s- solve the mystery um, but this one, these ones sound more like you're going to be solving, like constantly, like solving puzzles uh, along the way. I like the cognitive exploration of uh, Chronicles of Crime. I, that whole, I mean, there is that kind of escape room esque idea to it, I and mean, that you have to reach an objective by a certain time. But um, like you said, that narrative element just just widens the whole. At least for me, with that game, widens that whole. Um, uh, um, you know, just buying into the to to what's being presented to you or designed for you, kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and I love their designs. Like Akateri is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. games from those guys. So solid on them, absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like the first one here is going to be coming out probably relatively soon because the Shining one has oh. got a release date of quarter four, uh, twenty twenty. So I'm assuming that the, the the first one, the Scooby-Doo one, is going to be coming out relatively sooner Scooby than that. Doo. I love it. I, I love I love it too. <laughs> I'll have to contact Shen. Maybe he'll maybe yeah, he'll man. do an interview. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get him back. We'll get. Him. <laughs> I, I want I want to learn more about this. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo. I love, I love escape rooms. The Scooby-Doo part intrigues me a lot. Oh yeah, here's the yeah the Shining. Escape from the Overlook Hotel. Oh, love it! Gives you oh. chills. Hey, did a little yep. bit of uh, a little bit of, uh, of trivia knowledge there. Um, the exterior shots from the movie, right? The Jack Nicholson movie, um, is the uh, uh, Bath Springs Hotel. Nice in Alberta. 
So wow. every time, oh yeah, every time we we're out there, we drive by and you go around this one bend and you can have that that shot from the highway of it. And uh, every time I go around that corner, man, I just get goosebumps. It just like chills down my spine. Do you have the soundtrack on CD? Do you play it when you drive down there? Oh man, I'm not gonna be able to sleep, man. <laughs> Ooh, I just got chills. Uh, it's like, see, now I'm thinking about Pet Cemetery. Oh, <laughs> I'm done. I'm sleeping with the lights on. <laughs> This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge from right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And we are back. Thank you for continuing this far with your exploration into board games. Um, Achievement uh, unlocked. Yeah, achievement unlocked. Valued viewer. Um, uh, I'll even say A for you. Uh, so let's get into some uh, let's get into some uh, preferred deep dive reviews, and uh, I'll take dibs on this one. I'm going to start, uh, and I think I uh, I uh, gave a nice little little Easter egg heads up as to what my review is, and it is once again by the publishers. What's your game? It's Nippon by Nuno Bizarro, Sentiero, and Paulo Soledad. Well wow. done. Wow, I feel like I should take a bow. Yeah, another achievement unlocked. I apologize um, in advance for any horrible pronunciations on absolute, your part. Absolutely, I think there's a, I think there's that disclaimer in the beginning. Um, uh, I, I'm again, I'm, this is kind of like an unfair review because I love this game right out of the gates. Uh, this, this is basically spoiler alert. Spoiler, yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it's, it's. Uh, Let's just get let's just get into the format. As I said, I need my format. So the quick overview is um, Nippon, Japan during the Meiji period, a closed, isolated, feudal country, decides to change into a modern, westernized state. The empire sends emissaries to foreign nations, bringing technicians and scholars from the west. builds uh, builds a network of railroads and achieves an outstandingly fast industrial revolution. The nation and emperor count on the support of the great four, the big conglomerates that emerge with great power and massive control over the Japanese economy. They are called, oh, I'm going to butcher this one, Zabatsu, and their influence on the Meiji emperor and importance on the fate of Japan is incredible. Nippon is an area majority control in which players control Zaibatsu and try to develop their web of power by investing in new industries, improving their technology, uh, technological knowledge, shipping goods to foreign countries, or using them to satisfy local needs and growing their influence and power as they oversee the era of rapid industrialization of Japan. So without getting into a BBC documentary, um, this is... Basically, Japan coming out of its uh, empire history and into the Industrial Revolution of, of modernization. Um, it, I, I would say that it's the uh, it's Japan's version of uh, uh, Martin Wallace's uh, um, classic, Brass. Right? Um, 
and it's and it's uh now now that's that's the economic theme to it where there's industry there's production there's selling that there's contracts there's all of that dynamic thing that you you would know in kind of an economy game um and uh, but what i love the most about it is how they use um the worker place the reverse idea of worker placement because as in with um what's your game's designs and i don't know if it's purposefully but a lot of them like i said is you have um uh, uh, um a choice of five or six choices and in those five or six choices you have uh, an a or b to pick and in that a and b there's this whole kind of matrices of you're starting to create this web of of engine or influence or productivity right and um how it works is in each of these action areas, um, you have three meeples uh, of, and the game that has this idea of um, these meeples represent the different, I'd say, uh, influences of industrialization, right? There's blue, yellow, there's, I think, six different colors. And the idea is <laughs> that as you're developing your businesses or your companies or your, as they say, your zaibatsus, um uh power is that um you <laughs> you heard that eh? <laughs> um uh you you change you choose a color of a meeple from this area of three that it starts off with so let's say in if i want to build a uh an industry there's going to be three meeples in this area that has an a and b decision but what i love about it is when i pick a color and it comes down into my workforce that um, as I'm filling up my workforce slots, and you you probably would get about six turns before you start to cycle the turn order and and work your way through to the end of the game, is that it's a worker displacement, and the that's I've never seen this before. That is, to me is the most intriguing thing of this game. And and basically how you win is like any other good Euro is the most victory points. And how do you get victory points? Is trying to find that synergistic connection between what industries I choose, where I deploy them on my, uh, my area influence map of Japan, what those bonuses contribute to, and how that, that ever slowly folding uh, um, cascade of of engine development that you create on your board and on the main on your player board and on your main board so um yeah i i think it's just such a fantastic game in that regards uh it does probably one of the most unique things with worker placement so let's go to straight to the opinions i think i did a pretty uh, uh extensive overview and and nuts and bolts explanation of it but uh, from the outside in, it's your standard um, 12 inch by 12 inch by four inch kind of uh, ticket to ride box. <laughs> Pardon me. The art is very much of the time period of, of that Japan industrial uh, uh, revolution, um, uh, uh, you know, pivot period of that time. Mm, I would say it's, got a, it's got a very distinctive what's your game look. Oh, yeah. Style art to it. Yeah. Like if you put all their boxes together, they thematically have a, a common tone to it, um, which to me is very comforting. Uh, continuity, yeah. Um, 
the fonts are great. The graphics read great. Uh, the imagery is, I mean, the icons make sense. It's not a difficult game to understand. The components are rock solid. Like that, 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 if I had any complaint with that company's components, um, and it probably could just because of our climate, because we live in the prairies and it's, and it's dry, um, that the boards are on the thinner stock and they tend to sometimes butterfly or warp a little bit on me. But I'm nitpicking at this point when it comes to components. Everything is solid, like nice thick cardboard. There's no cheaping out on their components. Uh, you got to um, do what I do is just stock up on those little salt packages that you get in like a, in a pair of shoes. Yeah, I, just, little... I, have, I have a big, like big old box of those in, in my basement that I just throw into my games. <laughs> I got to start thinking about that. That's smart. But that, I mean, I, I'm nitpicking at that point. Um, the game system, <clears throat> pardon me, the games, it's Ooh. dry. It's dry in Saskatchewan. Um, uh, the game system, game style. Like I said, it's got the DNA of of that publishing company's games. Um, uh, Asgard's the same. Uh, uh, Signori's the same. Railroad Revolution has that. And, and I'm not saying that it's a repetition and they're photocopying the same. I, I'm saying that it's sort of like, you know, Eric Clapton. You can hear his influence in every version of every reinterpretation of every guest appearance he's done you 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 know that sound you know that feel that dna right they're, they're um, known they're known for like you always have an interesting decision oh, at, yeah. at, at, at the helm yeah well and while speaking of that i i'm never one to have a little bit of brain lock on anything but this might jam up some people because of the depth of connectivity and if you don't like making mistakes Oh man, you're gonna might have some rewind regrets, but this is one of those definite tactical kind of uh, decision games. Um, the unique mechanism is exactly what I said. It's that bizarre worker displacement, right? Mm. And um, it's it's that worker displacement that once you uh, and there's three kind of stages of refresh of the workers, and that's the trigger of going on to the next round to the next round is. Once you exhaust the workforce of that era, I would say, or that time period, then you go into the cycle of refreshing and you move the time marker. And there's three stages of scoring. Um, and uh, that's that where that great kind of El Grande-esque scoring comes into with these zones. Um, I love it. I love it. Does it all connect to me? Absolutely. If you're talking about industrial revolution you're always talking about economy you're always talking about production you're always talking about the machine and uh, yeah it does it well so i mean my conclusion i've been i've been gushing about this game since before i even said the title so it is on my top shelf which with many other of that uh publishing company's games and i know ian's ready to tell me how much he loves his vinos i um, do i really yeah. do so yeah, I, this is to me top shelf. If you ever have the chance, and I, I think it's out of print, but this is the beauty of our certain condition right now in isolation is it's not out of print on Board Game Arena. Mm -hmm. So if this That's interests true. you at all, go to Board Game Arena and, and they have great links on download the rules, uh, watch some learn how to play videos. Um, it's, yeah, 
yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to teach you guys this game if we ever have the chance. So that is my review this week is is Nippon by What's Your Game? Yeah, so. this this has always been one that interested me. I, I I don't know why I've we never played like when I said to it that way I've never played it. You kept like going like what ever yeah ever I have not shown you this yet. So Ian, does this uh, does this taunt your your interest? It is interesting. How uh, how long does it take? I it follows the same protocols of of that that company's those games, and I would say sixty to ninety minutes, right? I mean, of course, a learning game is always going to be a learning game, right? But once the the rule set is in your brain, um, on board game arena with with their uh, their programming, doing a lot of the the math in the background, you could knock a game out two three players easy, hour hour and a bit. Cool. So. Yeah, um, and if uh, speaking of board game arena, if there's anyone interested, we have a, a Bridge City board gamer group that we started on board game arena just uh, right. for the for the junkies, the digital cardboard cowboys. <laughs> oh, I've gotten my butt handed to me by a Teo Tawakin a couple a couple times from the from the board game outlaws, the new my new uh, Twitter uh, um, contacts that I've that I've made. And uh, oh man, I I just I just been getting curb stomped. Nice. <laughs> this episode is proudly supported by Mr. Dice Guy online board game retailer, located right here in Saskatoon. Mr. Dice Guy is always stocking the hot new titles, as well as restocking all-time favorites. They even have a ding and dent section for previously played titles. They offer free shipping across Canada on all orders over two hundred dollars, or free local pickup if you're in the Saskatoon area. Check them out at MrDiceGuy.com. Saskatoon's Mr. Nice Guy is Mr. Dice Guy. Cool. All right, uh, I'll I'll take the lead on the on the next one because it's right. it's a game it's a game that's kind of sprung into the hotness a little bit of late, as in it was uh, been nominated for the. Uh, as one of the nominations for the Spiel de Jarez, and that is uh, Nova Luna, and designed by Uwe Rosenberg and published here in North America by Stronghold Games. And so, yeah, this is a, a, a 2020 release. And mm, if I say Uwe Rosenberg and I say tile laying, um, what you're probably going to think is, oh my gosh, another Uwe Rosenberg tile laying game. But, yeah, this, one's a, but the, this one's a little, this one's a little bit, yeah, yeah, patchwork. Um, then those, there's that trilogy of like Indian Summer, Cottage Garden, Spring Meadow, where they all use those um, polydomino type of uh, type of tiles, and you gotta tie, Tetris them together. This is not one of those tile laying games. I know, I was shocked. A new Uwe Rosenberg game that's tile laying, but it doesn't use polydominoes. So let's get into what Nova Luna is all about. And it doesn't have a very um, extensive um, description as, well, at its heart, it's more of a abstract type of type of game. But it does say here that the new moon is a symbol for a new beginning, the perfect time to start something new and plan your future. And that is what Nova Luna is uh, is meant for is all about 
in each round, this abstract tile laying game, you have to plan for your future anew, developing a new strategy to cope with what the moon wheel has to offer you. On each turn, you have to decide which new tile from the moon wheel is to place in front of you. Every new tile brings a new task that you have to fulfill. In order to do so, you need to place other tiles of the correct color adjacent to that task tile that you want to complete. But these, of course, again, bring you new tasks that you have to complete. Each time a task is solved, you may place one of your markers on it. So decide wisely and be the first one to place all of your markers. There's another really cool thing about Nova Luna is that you don't earn points in this game. It's rather it's a race. It's a race to um, complete. And now everybody has 20 markers. And it's a race for whoever can um, complete 20 tasks the first. Um, and so exactly what it says here. So the action selection for Nova Luna is very reminiscent of uh, an earlier Uwe game um, patchwork. Whereas in there's, a, there's a rondelle of tiles, and they call it here the moon wheel. And they're, so they're, they're all arranged in a circular pattern around this moon wheel. And wherever the moon marker is, you have to pick one of the tiles, uh, one of the next three tiles in order to, to select in front of you. So you're, you're, you're limited in what you can select. Um, so that makes, makes the, the strategic planning um, ever so interesting in, uh, in this game. So what you do is you pick one of those three tiles, you place it in front of you. Now on a tile has two different pieces of information. It's got these tasks, like uh, the, the description mentions. And what a task says, it, it wants certain color of tiles beside this particular tile. So I might grab a red tile and one of the tasks says um, two dark blue on it. So now in the future, if I ever place two dark blue tiles adjacent to this tile, I complete its task. Some tiles don't have just one task on them. Some tiles might have up to three tasks on it. And so you're trying to maybe trying to combo. Say I'm going to future turn. If I can select a tile that might meet and fulfill three tasks, that's the goal of this game. Is if you can complete multiple tasks with one tile, you're going to do better than your opponents. What also is on a tile is a little time marker. And that's how far forward you have to move along the time wheel. Because just like in uh, Patchwork, whoever's the furthest behind, or kind of like Takedo, whoever's the furthest behind, it's their turn. Until they are no longer behind, and now there's another person that's in behind. You're not like in last place or anything. You're just the furthest behind on the time wheel. What's kind of interesting is that the, the time tokens can range from two time all the way up to like six or seven time. And the lower the number on the time, uh, the more complicated the task is. And the higher the time value, the more simpler the tasks are. So I can take, oh, this is a very, very simple task to complete, but I have to jump way down the line on the time marker. So it's not going to be my turn for a little bit, unless if somebody else takes another easy tile. I thought you said this was different than Patchwork. It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is. Patchwork, you're still scoring points, like in like buttons. Yeah. But this one, you are. it's a race to complete tasks. 
yeah, this is going to get a lot of comparisons to Patchwork, which is a very fantastic design. Also, probably why this one is nominated in, in the Spiel category. It's very simple to play. Like you'll 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 play a like we play a two player game in probably like ten minutes. Hmm. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty quick like that. And plus, once you start recognizing combos that you can make. One kind of cool thing about the adjacency rule is that um, what they consider adjacent is like the orthogonal, the up, down, left, and right. But if I connect, say, two blue tiles in a straight line, well, two blue tiles are considered adjacent then to my red tile, for, ex for example. So... Um, it, this is one is the rule book does a really good job explaining this uh, kind of like this little nuance. But if I like connect, if I connect four yellow tiles in a straight line and they're all connected and they're connected to this one red tile, that one red tile is considered to be adjacent to four yellow tiles. It, it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting little kind of, um, 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 nuance to the, to the, to the tile selection and where you place your tiles. And that's kind of like that's the reason why you can fulfill lots of tasks um, with with a, with a simple placement. Oh, I think I've I think I've gone through pretty much everything that this game um, has to offer. Um, doing my opinions here, the box is a lot bigger than it needs to be. <laughs> it's it's one of those ones where they where they they created it for shelf presence. Because it's just a it's a it's a box of tiles, and I guess they really kind of made the box just maybe fit the moon wheel. It's 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 a little bit it's kind of a little bit larger, so the box fits the moon wheel perfectly. So what size are we talking about? What would be a reference? Oh, what what, what other games are like this? Raiders like a Raider size box or? Um, so maybe a patchwork size box. No, definitely larger than patchwork. It's probably just a length and length and width wise it's a little bit larger than a raiders but it's not as deep okay it's not as deep it's it's it drives me nuts because they're really not a really good place on my shelf for it yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really fit anywhere <laughs> but uh but the art is amazing the, the the art is actually really really cool the only knock i have on the art is that they made they made two different shades of blue and sometimes they're kind of hard. They're hard to tell apart. There's a there's a dark blue, and then there's like a teal. And the uh, the difference between them is not substantial. Are you are you looking at a picture of this? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So. so the whole spectrum of colors. Let's do red, yellow, and then two blues. Why not? <laughs> I I think they maybe were trying to maybe go for a green, but they <laughs> missed the mark on the green. But, um. That's bes that's besides the point. The components are nice. They're nice tiles. Um, I've got the first edition, um, so when it first came out, and in the first edition, the little scoring discs, they're very very small. They're very they're very fiddly and hard to handle. But I heard that in the latest printings that they've increased the size of those discs to like the normal size. Um, I get. I guess there's a normal size of disc that you can have in a Euro game, but they made the discs larger. Rulebook is great. Uh, like I said, it goes through these examples of how this weird that this this adjacency rule can work, and they've got different examples. It works really, really good. 
Is it unique? I don't think it's unique enough to stand apart from all of these other abstract tile laying games. The only difference is, is that this one ends up being a race instead of who can score the most points. Um, that's that's just kind of like the different twist this one goes on. And actually, this is a re this is a re theme redesign of a different game. They make mention of it in the rule book um, that it was. Um, is inspired by a game called Habitats by a Corn uh, Van Morsel. And so I guess this game is very, very heavily based on that game, but maybe made a couple different adjustments to it. Um, they made they they made a mention that there's a the tiles in Nova Luna have multiple tasks on them, whereas in Habitats there was only ever just some. Uh, there was only ever just one task. Okay, so does it all connect? Well, it's an abstract game. So it, it, take it take it for what it is. If you like abstract, puzzly-like um, games, you're probably going to really enjoy Nova Luna. Does it set itself apart far enough from its predecessors and other games that kind of do similar things? I'll let you be the judge about that. Um, <laughs> uh, we own an extensive amount of abstract games in in our collection and um does it stand out we've only really been playing it lately because it's gotten the buzz of being nominated for spiel the spiel de jares so that's the only reason why we've really kind of kept coming back to it and i was like it didn't strike me i guess i'm getting into opinion conclusions here <laughs> but um it didn't strike me as a uh, as a game of the year nomination worthy now I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash on that one, but um, I don't think it does enough different to uh, to set itself apart from very similar types of designs. I'm not knocking it; it's a pretty cool game. Um, I would recommend you trying this one because it's a it's a different type of puzzle than other Uwe Rosenberg um, tile laying games. Well, it's not a polyomino, so that's him venturing off into a new direction. I mean, lately, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and the fact that it's a race, um, there, 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 there's a time crunch. Like, so I'm speaking from a two player. When I see that Jen's only got five scoring discs left, and I've still got ten, <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've, I've got a really big hole to dig out of. There's more likely I'm probably not going to win this game. So there is kind of like that kind of sense too, that you can probably in the late game, you'll predict who is going to complete their tasks first. There's not much in uh, a catch up mechanism in, in this game. If you, if you plan carefully and you're able to score multiple tasks with one tile and you can do that more often than your opponent, you are going to win this game. And if you don't plan for that either, um, you're, you're not going to have success. So it could be frustrating in that event. Um, and it says, I, it, plays, it says it plays one to four. Um, yeah, so uh, th there is a... The, the solo mode is just one of those, hey, try to beat your score yeah. type type things. I haven't ventured into the solo mode. But is this a good two-player, like, from, from your... I think this would be... A, I think this is a great two-player game. I've heard lots of people suggest that they would not want to play with three or four players. I want to try that. <laughs> Just, just because there would be that there, one of the game end triggers is whoever can 
fulfill 20 tasks like get result gets rid yeah. of all their scoring tokens yeah. another game end trigger is if there's no more tiles left in the box Ooh. and so i think that would happen more often with a three four player game than it would be with a two player game so i want to see what that would happen it would push the boundaries of the game that's for sure yeah yeah because when the tiles run out then you just see who's completed the most tasks cool at the at that point so nova luna it's been nominated for the spiel not sure about that one yet i still think my i think my city is going to is going to win it that's the reiner canizia legacy game yeah i think that one's i think that one might be the uh the way the spiel goes this year i could be wrong and people are going to burn down my door with pitchforks <laughs> but uh nova luna is definitely a, a a solid game. Is this going on middle shelf? Do you, conclude, get... do you conclude that this is going to push out anything? No, this one's not going to push out anything, but it's going <laughs> to stick around for a while. Okay, cool. Um, mainly for it's like, it's quick playing time. Um, is there other ones? I, I, I think, I think we like to play patchwork more and I think yeah. patchwork is definitely a better design of his. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nova Luna middle shelf worthy. I am predicting that it's not going to win the spiel. <laughs> it sounds like you're like those people who are trying to watch all the Oscar nominated movies before the Oscars come out. That's I, what you're doing, isn't it? That that is. But do you guess what? <laughs> uh, My city by the by by Kinesia is. I don't think it's going to hit North America before the uh, the 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 winners are announced. Probably not. But I'm interested in that one. Cool. All right. So we're on to Ian. Trekking the net. No, wait, not trekking national parks. No, this one's just parks. 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 So parks um, came out last year. Uh, it's by Henry Audubon and produced by Keymaster Games. It's, well, it's two to five players, but it's actually one to five because there is a solo mode. It takes about 45 minutes on the high end. It's not a very long game. Um, what it's all about is you're, you're playing the role of two hikers and they're trekking the trails to see sites, observe wildlife, take photos, visit national parks. That's really what it is. And the way the game works, a brief overview, is that you're trying to visit as many parks as you can and parks come in these sweet cards that, that just look awesome. And so there's a whole bunch of parks and you're trying to fill the resources that each park requires to get the points for them. Um, and what you're doing is you're going through four different seasons of the year and you're basically going down a trail. These hikers are going down a trail and each spot on the trail has different action actions that they can take, which help them to get things that help them along the way and resources so they can go visit the parks and so on. Um, so that's, it's, I don't want to go too heavy into, into the rules and stuff, but that's the basic idea. Uh, the art is where this game shines, right? The theme and the artwork is, is the big draw for parks. Yeah. It's, it comes, the art is actually from a art project called the 59 parks project. That's from a whole bunch of different artists. And 
um, they decided to take all this art and put it into a board game. So it's sort of like, I don't know, each, each card is an individual part. There's 48 cards in here and they're all American parks. And so I don't know, maybe they'll have a Canada version at some point. <laughs> but um, French I guess there's more variety in the United States parks, right? Because they can go from like Florida to the mountains to the deserts. I guess there's a little bit more variety, but but yeah, it's very cool. Um, so I guess if we're looking at the box, well, the box is gorgeous. They've got the art on the box as well. Now, Norm, you said you were getting nitpicky before. I'm going to get a little nitpicky. The only issue is oh, some two of the sides of the box, even though they've got gorgeous art, doesn't say the name of the game at all. That kind of bugs me. You know, well. <laughs> You've got to have a review, right? Yeah. The, um, the insert is amazing. Everything fits perfectly. It's like a master class of design. These trays are like oh. logs like they look like wooden firewood logs oh it's gorgeous oh, game, really game trays game trays designed the inserts to this to this game and game yeah. trays inserts are amazing yeah it's incredible so there's no room for an expansion here whatsoever which normally bugs me but i'm okay just because it's so awesome the way it fits together for components, we've got a whole bunch of wood components, which I like. Um, I love wood components. So the resources have a whole bunch of components with them. Um, there's different tiles that make up the trail that you're going to go across. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there's a bunch of different cards and stuff. So the, the way that this game works is you've got four rounds where you're checking down this trail but the trails tiles can be shuffled, right? You can shuffle all the tiles so that every, the trail is going to be different every time. And all the action spaces are going to be in different locations every time. Um, but you can't go backwards, but you have two hikers to choose from, right? And you can't go to a spot already blocked by somebody. So there's kind of a moving down the path dynamic that you've got to take into account, um, similar to Tokaido. Um, something like that. You're trying to collect resources along the way so you can fill your parks. By the time you get to the end of that trail, you can visit a park. And there's also some other cool things like you can collect gear cards along the way, which help you. Like, for example, you need one less resource to visit parks if you have sunscreen or something like that. Yeah. And there's also a kind of a cool idea where there's canteens where if you get water as a resource, you can immediately fill a canteen and take whatever special action your canteen has. The theme for this game is right in my wheelhouse. I love this kind of nature national park idea. I love the camping theme. Oh, it's, it's great. And the cool thing is, is I got this for Christmas from uh, my brother-in-law had me in, in our Christmas draw. And, and so it's kind of cool because he is also like, he is a massive outdoorsy guy. Right. And so I've kind of got that connection with the fact that this is right up his alley too. Nice. So I don't know. That's always cool. I think you've got that connection. The theme doesn't entirely connect. Like if you think about it, you're collecting sun. 
<laughs> like sun is a resource. So somehow you're collecting sun, and if you collect enough sun, you get to go to Yosemite National Park. I, I don't know. There's also the idea that you're already on a hiking trail to so that you can visit a park. Well, wouldn't you be on that trail in the park already? So <laughs> well, we're now we're into like Back to the Future paradoxes, <laughs> man. We can't go down that path. Yeah. So there's some there's some theming issues there, but the theme itself is I just love it. Like it's it immerses you with all the components. Um <clears throat> so it's pretty great because it's a very cool game. Uh, I, I don't know that it's that unique, though, right? The mechanisms um, are all stuff that you've seen before, like collecting resources to get your points cards. That's been done a million times. Um, if you know Tokaido already, you understand the moving down the path. This is a little different because the path always changes and because you've got the two hikers that you can choose and things like that. But the same fundamental idea is still there. Um, but it's a good Sunday afternoon game. Like it's one of those games you can just kind of relax with, right? Cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's great. I think the theme is great. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's enough bits and pieces to it to make it different enough from something like Takedo. It's just, just the walking trail is the only, only real similarity there. Um, but again, they switch it up enough that I think it's okay. The artwork is what compels me. I haven't played it yet, but the artwork compelled me to be drawn into that game. So I'm I'm very glad you you put this one up for review. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, this one is going to get compared to the mechanism of Takedo. Um, oh. I'm I'm quite 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 a bit. Like I I even just mentioned in our in our chat here. I think I like I don't own this one, but I think I like this game better. Than, oh yeah. Than than than, than Takedo. I I just like the it has that it has that just that next step yeah it does yeah it has that it has that next step now i have like the expansions for takaido and they they do add a little bit of extra to it i just i like what this one did with it yeah takaido is a fantastic game oh on, absolutely but i i'm i'm i mean i'm intrigued and compelled and that's that's awesome because hey that's money out of my pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a nice small little box game it's it's yeah it's it's a great game it would be i don't know what's your high top shelf mid, what middle shelf what oh, else do you have for your rating? top shelf top shelf middle shelf bottom shelf uh trade pile trade pile okay. yeah. i don't know it's somewhere between the the middle and then the i'd say the art almost bumps it up to top shelf but you know it's between there between middle and top Cool, cool, cool. So, I think we, uh, I think we had a well-rounded journey today, uh, gentlemen. Uh, what, uh, what are your uh, f final thoughts of the of the episode? Well, I like to read um, hyperlinks <laughs> in full for, for 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 people just to, just 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 the thing. So, um, we we. <laughs> We, we we like I I like this this episode is pretty was pretty fun. This one uh, highlighted some shenanigans. <laughs> we 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 highlight we highlighted some games that we um have been enjoying as of late. Mine was more of a force. I I'll admit mine was more force because it was um the Spiel des Jahres nominated. And I was like, okay, I got to see what people are talking about here because I didn't see it. But no, it's 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 
it's been good. I I want I want to play with people again. Oh, I know. Sometime. But hopefully this board game arena group that we started will prompt us to uh, at least start trying to fake the social connection by gaming online and doing a little Zoom yeah. social uh, video calling kind of thing. So, yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was a great time today. And people should check out our Board Game Geek Guild. I've started up an initiative where I've been posting a topic a day. That's right. For, for, for people to be talking to talk about quickly run through your uh your monday to friday um uh, my, my monday to friday lineup yeah so uh so mondays themes mondays. man you're a teacher you're a teacher all the way and i've been trying to do the norm alliteration thing <laughs> i don't think i was very successful but whatever I, we got mechanics monday so we would, i just choose a board game mechanic and like today's was draft oh yeah we talk, drafting we were talking about drafting and games that involve drafting uh, we got Twitter Tuesdays where I'll just highlight somebody that I've been following on Twitter and you can follow them as well. I would highly recommend it. Um, what you've been playing Wednesdays is kind of like your opportunity to flex a little bit on what you get, what you get to, to the table. I got beastie boys running in my head for that one. <laughs> what you, what you, what you, yeah. What you, what you playing? Uh, we got throwback Thursdays where I've been posting links to our past episodes uh, that that's always been kind of fun. I've been go, go back and listening. I'm like, wow, have we come a long way? Or want... man, have, or man, have we devolved? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, it it, uh, it hyped me up to playing Snowdonia again. Yeah, and then uh, on Fridays I hit I highlight a filler game. So we go filler game Fridays. So just highlighting those games that take about like you know that that ten to fifteen minute uh, time frame, and then take a take a break on the weekends. <laughs> Some downtime, some downtime. Always good. Cool. Well, uh, I think uh, we'll take this as the best exit point. And uh, wait, wait, wait. I, should, should I should wait. I read out that? Should I read out the link for the contest again? No, no, because there'll be a story right in the middle of it. Yeah. But people, but people, go to the website that I'm going to post on Twitter, Facebook, and the BGG Guild because you can win some. You can win some. I don't know what games you're going to win, but you're going to win some games. Win some games, and we'll. Uh, I'll uh, put that also in the uh, in the outro of the episode. All our social media connectors, and uh, but uh, on uh, on that note, I would like to thank you very much for sticking around up to this point. Um, another I, achievement unlocked. Another achievement unlocked. Bling! I'm your host, Norm. I've been Ryan. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers, on Facebook, Bridge City Board Gamer Community, and on YouTube at Bridge City Board Gamers. You can also find us on BGG, guild number 3039.